0: Um, how would you pronounce, how would you pronounce this name? I'm going to spell it the last name. Okay. B-U-M-P-A-S-S. Is that Bumpass or (laughs) Bumpass? Which one would it be, boys? Yeah, just FYI, we're not putting in the part of the podcast where you make fun of a random guy's name. (laughs) Yeah, that's like the best last name. This is the theme song at the start of the show Stop wasting time on the theme song Gonna watch a movie, got a thousand more to go Stop wasting time on the theme song Watching everything on Disney seeming like a chore And since I started singing they already added more So stop wasting time on the theme song Just tell us the name of the show it's called the podcast War Tennis Shoes. What a terrible name for the show. It's worse than the theme song. Hello and welcome to the podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,793 movies on Disney Plus. My name is Sean and I am here with my co-hosts, Bob and Rob. And let's go. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, uh, Bob today. <laughs> How you doing, Bob? I have a little bit of anxiety every time you introduce the show because I never look up how many films were behind before we start recording, and so I wait in anticipation to hear how, how many more. And we're in, it's yeah, me too. One thousand seven hundred and ninety-three. I I added three since last time. Keep in mind, this hasn't even been a full week since the last time we recorded, but um, they added the Banshees of Inishirin. Martin McDonough film. I'm really excited to watch that. I haven't seen it yet.'ve actually I've heard that's actually quite good. Yeah. I saw that too I'm just gonna take a stab in the dark and assume it's about the troubles because that's everything that Martin McDonough does really when you break it down. Um, yeah, they add an Italian film called Le Pupil. It's Italian, but it's the titles in French <laughs> and it won a bunch of awards on the festival circuit. Want to watch an Italian film? That's an option. <laughs> and um, the third one was If These Walls Could Sing, uh, starring Rob. Do you happen to know? N- uh, no, I've... Adina Menzel. I'd never even heard of it. And I was like, oh, he's asking Rob. I know who this is about. And he's testing him to see if he'll use the right name this time. I'm eventually going to get you to do it. I'm eventually going to get you to get her name right. Ah, oh, man. What about you, Rob? How are you doing today? Uh, well, as I said, uh, my brain's not quite awake. Uh, we're-, we're recording this a little bit early for me on a Saturday. It's Sunday. Uh, Saturday, Sunday. What day is it? Sunday. I'll uh, I'll do my best here to keep my energy levels up. I've got a nice cup of coffee here. I mean, it's not really a drink. I did put some coffee booze in it. So does that count as my uh, my my drink for the day? Are you seriously drinking before noon on a Sunday again? What is raw? Do we need to have an intervention on this podcast? It's just it's. It's weekend coffee. It's like Bailey's. It's just a little shot of Bailey's. Yeah, but you've been drinking more and more as this podcast progresses. Are we destroying your life? Yeah. Are you like <laughs> falling apart in front of I us? I think so. <laughs> yeah. We started charlieing up that coffee a little more every single morning. How, how you doing, Sean? Have we driven you to alcoholism yet? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear it. This is a straight up Martin Sheen coffee. So, you know, I'm clean and sober this morning. Mm-hmm. Feeling pretty good. You know what would make me feel better, Rob, if we did our regular weekly segment? Did anybody write a review this week? Let's take a look. Let's take a peek. Did anybody write a review this week? Ding. Yes. Yes? Yes, Yes. someone wrote a review. Oh, man. I don't even have a a version of the theme song that says yes. Yeah, well, we got (laughs) one. I didn't even expect this to ever happen. I didn't even record a part that says, like, yes, somebody wrote a review this week. (laughs) We got one. I'm just going to have to, like, dub over my voice going, somebody wrote a review this week. (laughs) Somebody wrote a review this week. Ding. Do you want me to read it off? Yes, please. I'm excited. What does it say, Rob? So the title of this, uh, review is Three Blue Hearts. It's just the emojis of Three Blue Hearts. Um, I like it already. Although uh, if that's three out of five, I don't like it already. <laughs> no, no. And then there's five stars underneath. So it's three <laughs> oh, okay, blue good. hearts. But I then was concerned five there stars. for a second. I thought that, yeah. I thought that was a, a portent. <laughs> it says, "I love listening to this show. It gives me something to look forward to on Mondays. The episodes are funny, witty, and always entertaining. I am excited to hear more from this trio!" Exclamation mark! Oh and my god, we written... got the exclamation mark! I know it was written by Man of War fifteen thousand. Okay, Man O War. Man O War. Oh man, look look at pictures of the band Man O War, and okay. you will appreciate that so much more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, trust (laughs) me. All right. All right, so this brings us to our next regular weekly segment. Rob looks up a picture on the internet (laughs) and then describes it to our listeners. I mean, it's the most 80s metal band pictures ever. It's just a bunch of long-haired dudes wearing black leather. Uh, You're looking at the clothes photos. Most of them are just their vocalists wearing nothing but, like, furry underpants. It's, like, kind of amazing. I have Safe Search on my browser. <laughs> Should I turn it off, Bobby? There's nothing about. There's nothing safe about listening to Man of War. Mm. So wait, did they write the review? That's awesome. Yeah, I'm guessing. If that's the case, that just made 2022 <laughs> for me. <laughs> Coming in right at well, the end. I'm glad we're catching it right on the last day. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, thank you for reminding me, Bob. Because although we're recording this at the end of 2022, this is going out in 2023. So happy New Year, everybody! What's it like in the future? Do we have flying cars? yet Mm -hmm. has disney plus finally put in watcher in the woods or something wicked this way comes please tell me i'm waiting for those like two films we're like holding out for (laughs) and then we can finally stop doing this podcast as soon as we get to (laughs) them okay well the movie we are doing today it's neither of those unfortunately it is a goofy movie 1995's classic, A Goofy Movie. And although you can't see it, I am putting classic in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not. I, I just said that, but the listeners would never know. In their mind, as they're imagining me, I'm putting a classic in quotation marks. <laughs> like – Bobby and I were going with it, Sean. Like, we understood the premise. You didn't have to explain it to us. We were going to hold you accountable to that. (laughs) You understood the premise that I'm so lazy I refuse to even (laughs) act out the physicality that I'm describing? Yes. (laughs) All right, listeners. Next time Sean lies, I'll call him out on it, okay? (laughs) Please do. All right. I need to be held accountable, Rob. So this is a pick of Bob's. Bob, you wanted to do a Goofy movie. Why did you want to do a Goofy movie? Is what came to mind, um, and I kind of mentioned it when I pitched it to you, was so far over the podcast, we have covered the speaking voice of Max Goof when we watched Hocus Pocus and the singing voice of Max Goof. We haven't done a movie with Michael J. Fox, have we? Is this a bit? Is this leading you into into saying that he sounds like Michael J. Fox? He Fox-y? sounds exactly like Michael J. Fox. All I could picture was Marty McFly, the entire movie. Really? Because to me he sounded like Banks the Cat, aka James Marston. Uh, no man, I, like all of his lines in his delivery and even like the 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 way that he would like put like kind of stutters and pauses in his his uh in his deliveries sounded like Michael J. Fox. He was doing a Michael J. Fox impression. He has a Michael J. Fox vibe, I'll give you that. I don't know if he sounds exactly like him, but he's got a vibe. Yeah, it was like, um you know, Milo from uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire? That's Michael J. Fox's character from it. He sounded exactly like that all to right. me. All right, okay. So that's all I was thinking about the whole movie. When I think of Michael J. Fox, I think of the Frighteners, which is just him, like, being chased around by, like, John Austin for a while. So that's a different vibe, but a similar voice, I suppose. Yeah, but we covered the singing voice as well. It's one of the Bash Brothers, uh, and D2, the Mighty Ducks, and I thought, well, why don't we just cover both of them at once and do a Goofy movie? Um, This is also a worrisome choice for me, because I really liked this film when it came out. Yeah. like Saw it in theaters with my mom. I have, like, we will get into it more, but watching this movie, I actually was, I remembered it being in the theater with my mom and my sister, and all of us really enjoying it, and my mom bought it for us. Oh, wow. So I own this on VHS, so I actually watched this quite a few times as a kid, and it's always worrying going back and watching films that were, like, treasured in your childhood, because they're, like... What if it's blank check? <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't blank check. The only memory I really have of this movie uh, growing up was do you remember uh, when they would have those like scholastic book fairs? Yes. Yes. Of they'd course. have like, they'd like, set up like a room in your school and they'd have all these books or whatnot and they'd be like, hey, look at this book. And they'd also have a catalog with it. It's a Goosebumps party. Right. Yeah. So they'd have a catalog. And I remember getting that and seeing the title, A Goofy Movie. And I thought, in my whatever-I-old-was brain that it was an actual movie and not a book book. (laughs) at the Scholastic Book Fair. And I bought it. And then when it came and it was, in fact, a book, I was slightly (laughs) disappointed. And suddenly your confusion (laughs) of, like, Saturday for Sunday is starting to add up. So your introduction to a Goofy movie was the novelization, the Scholastic novelization? A Goofy book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It was a Goofy book. That was my introduction. (laughs) Uh, Like Street Fighter, the game, colon, the movie, colon, the game. Oh, there is a game of the movie of the game. Yeah, it's Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, it's unplayably bad. So, Rob, does the novelization of a Goofy movie have, like, extended sequences in it from the script? Does it have, like, canon backstory backstory? Is there more to this story that we don't know just seeing the film? No, I, uh, if I can remember that far back, I think it was a fairly faithful adaptation. Uh, very quick, breezy, probably I want to say 20 pages max because it was a picture book. Was it written by R.A. Silvador? <laughs> yeah, I, yes, Sean, I'll say yes it was. <laughs> How did you guess? <laughs> I think that'd be great if like R.A. Salvador did the novelization of a Goofy movie and it's like this thick paperback. He does like the backstory of all the different animals, the relationships in this fantasy world. I'd like to get into that. I don't even know the words that you are saying. <laughs> I don't know who you're you're talking about. He's written some novelizations. <laughs> I assumed. He's my roofer. I'm just talking about my roofer, Rob. You don't know my roofer, R.A.? Yeah, R. A. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He mentioned he used to be a writer. I wasn't sure if this was yeah, one of no. his books. <laughs> He did the novelization of a Goofy movie, and then he got into roofing. <laughs> and, and, uh, that guy got the royalties from me. He got all of, what, 10 cents or something, so <laughs> tell him I paid him. Rob was the only one who bought it because he thought it was an actual movie. Yeah. No, I think I actually managed to convince one other student, one of my classmates, to buy it, too, on the fact that it was a Goofy oh, movie. Oh, man. Oh, man, they must have been mad at you. Yeah. It's like it's like telling somebody to invest in Bitcoin. I, I think they were. Yeah. You were Matt Damon up there <laughs> yeah. telling him that he's a wuss if he doesn't invest in a goofy movie. Guys, 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 it's a goofy movie. It's not a goofy book. It's a goofy movie. There's no learning at all. We don't even have to read. Yeah. It's the dream. Yeah. Okay, so that's your backstory. My backstory <laughs> is... Uh, I also loved this as a kid. I had the plastic clamshell. I watched it over and over again. It was a favorite of mine. Uh So going back to it, I have to say, I've been very careful not to D2 this thing, as Robbie did, where I let my amber waves of grain style memories of this film overwhelm my rational thinking. So I'm going to try to be as objective as possible, even though... This was a favorite of mine as a kid. I'm just going to start off with a little backstory here. 1932. (laughs) Dippy Dog premieres in Mickey's Review. 1934. They rename him Goofy. And then for a long time, nothing happened. Uh, My first one is, what the fuck is a goof? So thank you for explaining that to me. All right, well, let's get into it. What is a goof? A goof is a dog. A dippy dog, to be specific. Oh, good, yes. But it's not a Pluto dog, so it is a different type of dog. That's what I was wondering, because I was like, I know Pluto is a dog that just barks, so what is a Goofy? That's a little existential. Do you think there's something wrong with Pluto? (laughs) Oh, no. No. Like, he's, I mean, he, he, he is just goofy, but yellow. Yeah. And walks on four legs and does nothing but bark. So is, is Goofy the smartest version of the dogs? Well, what do you mean? There's lots of smarter dogs than Goofy. Literally everyone else in the world. Yeah, like every other dog that lives in Goof County. <laughs> Spoonerville, Ohio, it's filled with them. And then, and then, so Pluto just happens to be the one that they keep on a leash. Like, <laughs> Is that what we're getting at here? Maybe it's like the dude in the basement in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I was going to say. Or uh, Channing Tatum from This Is The End at the end. Yeah, like Mickey keeps <laughs> him on a leash in the basement um, uh, so that he can have some fun. I just about like, did a spit take there. Maybe it's Pluto's fetish. We don't know. Let's not let us not kink shame Pluto. Yeah, okay. And then I have one other question to start off. Uh, Goofy's name is Goofy Goof, mm-hmm. right? It is like, It didn't... is. Goofer G Goof. Okay. Goofer Goof. Uh, 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 Goofer G Goof. <laughs> Goofy for short. Goofy for yeah, short. Okay. The middle initial is G. Right. And he named his kid Max? Maximilian. Just checking. Although the middle G, do you know what the middle G stands for in Goofer G Goof? Goofing. Goofer Goofing Goof. It's just like a verb tense. He's yeah. just a series of like yes. conjugations of goof. That sounds like somebody trying really hard not to swear and being really polite about it (laughs) it is a disney character (laughs) no apparently it's george fuck off (laughs) and in the 50s they just called him george no so it was dippy dog and then went to goofy and then to george (laughs) to goofy or goofer as his um priest would say george is such a weird tangent for them to go on they, like, gave him a job and a wife and – did you ever watch those on, like, Wonderful World of Disney, the 50s Goofy shorts where – No. There was, like, a narrator and it's like, meet George. He has to get to the office today. And it's, like, Goofy and he's just running really fast with a briefcase. Did we ever find out what happened to uh, Goofy's wife or George's wife? Well, She died. Presumably. Yeah. And then he went back to Goofy, he straightened up, got a job on Wall Street, started going by George so that people would take him seriously. And then he had a breakdown after his wife yeah. died, and he had to start raising Max on his own. Right. Moved back to Spoonerville. And became a photo lab technician. But he's so much happier. Yeah, that's fair. He couldn't take the pressure anymore. Why would you? He needs, he needs the time yeah. with Max. He left his high-paying Wall Street job- to spend more time with mm-hmm. his son. And that takes us into the themes of this movie. It's really a heartwarming story. I, uh, I actually watched the first episode, episode of uh, A Goof Troop. To get ready for um, this? To get, like, some backstory? My wife put it on after we were watching a Goofy movie okay. last night. And uh it's surprisingly similar to this movie. Like, the the pilot has the same plot? They go on a road trip? They go on a road trip. They have, like, almost the same scene of them, like, in the Grand Canyon. Really? Like, it's very simple. Without it actually, like, it, it goes off a cliff, the car, and then, like, lands on the road and they keep driving, opposed to it landing in the water. Really? And I was like, what did they just, like, was this a callback? Like, were they, are they just trying to do the plot, the pilot of a goof troop again? Well, apparently, uh, the plot was pitched by Katzenberg. This was apparently, uh, Katzenberg project. It was the, his last one, wasn't it? Yeah. And it came out after he had already left Disney and went, created DreamWorks, Spielberg, Katzenberg, Geffen. I think that's what the G stands for in SKG. That's what the G stands for? SKG? Spielberg, I don't know. Spielberg, Katzenberg, Gatzenberg. Yeah. And Goofy. <laughs> and goofy. George. <laughs> yeah, George. The G stands for George. Yeah. He was really big on this movie and he pitched the plot of a road trip where uh, it's a father-son bonding experience apparently. Although they didn't tell him. They're like, we already did that story, but don't tell Jeffrey. He gets <laughs> he gets really upset if you, if you try to correct him. Apparently he based it on his own experience. He met Bigfoot? Yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> happened. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, all right. <laughs> no, I read that he apparently, just before he pitched the movie, he noticed his relationship with his daughter was a bit estranged. And so to remedy it, he apparently went on a road trip with his daughter. And when they got back, they felt he felt a lot closer to her. And apparently that was what gave him the idea for the pitch of this movie. So Katzenberg had one good idea for this movie, and then he, won, he had one very bad idea. Because he was like, guys, 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 idea number one. It's a road trip movie where Goofy and his son have to reconnect after becoming estranged. And they're like, that's not bad, Jeffrey. That's not bad. Maybe we will do that. And he's like, idea number two, Steve Martin plays Goofy. (laughs) And they're like, what? And then he's like, I don't like the Goofy voice. It's too silly. I want him to have a normal voice. And they're like, uh... Do you know the point of Goofy? Like, have you ever watched a Disney cartoon? (laughs) What what do you mean he needs to have a normal voice? Why would it be Goofy then? Like, why wouldn't you just... And he needs to be called Jeffrey. (laughs) And it needs to be about him and his daughter going on a road trip. Apparently, Bill Bill Farmer was actually directed to speak in his normal speaking voice early on in production of the film when they were doing the recording. I think apparently at Katzenberg's insistence, because after they're like, we can't, we can't bring in, uh, Steve Martin. Bill Farmer is the voice of Goofy. He's gonna be Goofy again. And then Katzenberg was alright, but don't do the Goofy voice. And then again, they're like, I don't think you understand how this work. We're, we're bringing in Bill Farmer. Don't do the Goofy voice. So, um, I'm gonna let on to something here. Uh, like, uh, Kermit and, up uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, that is my in to the character of Kermit. Uh, this is my in to the character of Goofy, because I don't think I've really seen much with him in it. So this isn't what he normally sounds like? No, this is what he normally sounds like. Eisner stepped in and was like, fucking redo it, Bill. Just do what you normally do. Don't, don't just talk in your normal speaking voice. And he was like, oh, good. Thank you. Ugh, yuck. And then the film commenced <laughs> okay, as normal. we firing okay. Katzenberg for that idea. <laughs> this is why he left his. And he did. Because <laughs> <laughs> he told... Although... <laughs> told bill farmer not to do the goofy voice that's why he's like, fired to be fair that sounds like something that would get you fired from disney absolutely you're making a movie called a goofy movie <laughs> starring goofy and you got the guy who does the goofy voice and you say don't sound anything like goofy yeah i mean that's a pretty big uh pretty big swing there luckily he went and re-recorded all of the dialogue as goofy to make it not terrible robin williams style (laughs) they threw out all. somewhere there's a really bad version of this movie where bill farmer is just like max (laughs) max we should go on a road trip max (laughs) ah yuck that's they still wrote that in but they didn't want him to do it (laughs) (laughs) no bill just just say it phonetically yeah ah yuck yeah perfect just really sad perfect bill it's just Jeffrey in the booth going, Mike. It's just, just Cass and birds. It's like, it's exactly how I imagined it. <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> Honey, I made a movie based on our experiences together. It's called A Goofy Movie. <laughs> Where we're both dogs. You're a boy named Max. In Goof Troop, that was part of the, uh, Disney's One Saturday Morning or the, the Disney, the Disney Afternoon block, actually. Yeah. It's before One Saturday Morning. It's part of the Disney Afternoon block in the early 90s. And I remember being very confused when Goof Troop got added to the Disney Afternoon block because the Disney Afternoon block was like, the Gummy Bears, it's about a bunch of magical bears in like a medieval setting where they have adventures and fight, you know, dragons. And then it's like Duck Tales. It's about a, a adventurous ducks that, you know, climb Mount Everest and go to space and go back in time. And there's a cyborg duck and all of this kind of stuff is going on. Uh Rescue Rangers, they're again, adventures, the detectives. They solve mysteries. They fly around in a cool little plane. I haven't seen the the new version, the new live action one. Um I really want it's to. It's fun. Yeah. It's it's Lonely Island. Yeah. So I know. It's, it's basically a Lonely Island <sighs> yeah. movie. Awesome. I want to watch it. You're going through all of these high fantasy, you know, big concept cartoon, you know, adventure stories for children, and then they're like coming up next, Goof Troop, and you're like, I can't wait to see what this is. And it's like, it's an 80s sitcom <laughs> about a father and a son. Oh, do they go on adventures? No. <laughs> uh starring uh Jim Cummings as the antagonist I think for most of them. As the neighbor Pete. But it's yeah. not even an antagonist. He's not a villain. He's just like the neighbor that I don't know. They He's don't pretty like. villainous. It's- yeah, he was always Goofy's villain throughout. Like he was the, he was the villain on a lot of the classic Mickey Disney cartoons, wasn't he? He's the villain in Mickey's Steamboat Willie. Right. The first sound yeah. animated short. Anyway, it was very low concept and seemed out of place to me. Goof Troop. Uh, so it wasn't my favorite of the shows, although I did watch it a lot because I was of the age where you just watch whatever is in front of you. Especially each. because it was like at the time it would have been like that and Bonkers. Oh, what is Bonkers? Oh, Bonkers. I have something to say about Bonkers coming up. Oh, my God. we okay. Here's the thing. I want to talk about Bonkers at length, but this is probably not the episode. The episode to talk about Bonkers is whenever we do Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because Bonkers is the funniest, spiteful tele- – it's a, it's a TV series that only exists to spite Steven Spielberg. What, what is it? And there's like 50 episodes of it. It's hilarious. I Okay. I Like, I remember the name and I'm sure I've seen it. But I, I – like, all I remember is the name. I don't know anything about it. It's another Jim Cummings character. Jim Cummings played Bonkers. I was going to say, yeah, that was, he was the, the human. No, he was, he was Bonkers. Oh, was he Bonkers? Okay, I thought he was the cop dad. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Let me correct. He is. He is actually both. He plays both characters. He's Bonkers, and he is the police detective that Bonkers works with. He... Basically, was doing all the voices in that show. Um, and they sound totally different. It's crazy, the range Jim Cummings has. Based on your very brief description, was the show just created because they couldn't get the licensing back for Who Framed Roger Rabbit? So Eisner was like, fuck you then. I'll just make an entire cartoon that's just this concept. No, they own the licensing because they owned the character. See, now we're just getting into it. I'll have to tell the story again when we do Who Framed Roger Rabbit, though, because I love this story. They owned the rights to Roger Rabbit, but Steven Spielberg had some veto interests in Roger Rabbit because Steven Spielberg produced Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They basically needed his sign-off to make a sequel to Roger Rabbit. After Who Framed Roger Rabbit was so huge, Steven Spielberg collaborated with Disney to create like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit land in Disneyland, which was Toontown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went and saw that. Yeah, that's right. I was, I saw Toontown when I went to Disney way back in the day. And it was going to be basically based around Roger Rabbit. And Roger Rabbit was a character in Disneyland. It was one of the main meet and greets. It was huge. Disney started producing Roger Rabbit shorts. Spielberg negotiated a huge licensing fee to use Roger Rabbit in Disneyland. <laughs> um Which he also got at Universal just because Steven Spielberg has – is somehow the best negotiator in the world and he makes like hundreds of millions of dollars a year from like ticket prices at both Universal Studios and Disneyland. It's absolutely insane. (laughs) After all of this, Disney wanted to make a sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit and they wrote a whole script where the sequel for some insane reason uh, was Roger Rabbit goes to World War II. What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, <coughs> Did, like you remember how to have a take plus tick took uh, to place in the 30s, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like a period piece. It's a Chinatown pastiche yeah. kind of a thing, um, which is why I guess the timeline made sense to them. But the sequel had Nazis in it. It was like Nazi cartoon characters. It was World War II based. And this was right around the time Spielberg had his whole I'm never dealing with Nazis again So Uh, he made Schindler's List and then he's like, I'm never going to make another movie with Nazis because I've spent my career making them into cartoonish buffoons and I don't think that that is good for culture. I've changed my mind about that and so I don't want to make movies with Nazis anymore unless they're accurately uh, portrayed. But Disney was already like in pre-production and so Spielberg like at the last minute after they had already written a script and they were like going in to make this movie. He was like, I've changed my mind. You can't make this movie anymore. And Michael Eisner was so mad at, like, the fact that he was getting, he was getting stimmied by, like, Steven Spielberg. Like, they're, they just had this relationship breakdown. Where they were just arguing with each other that Michael Eisner was like, no more Roger Rabbit anywhere. And he like took him out of the park. And so in response, he said, why don't we create a Roger Rabbit that Steven Spielberg doesn't have any licensing interest in? And so they were like, we can just do the same thing again. It just won't be called Roger Rabbit. And so he created bonkers as – roger rabbit without steven spielberg and then they like forced it into production even though it makes no sense because they're both cartoons but one of the cartoons claims he's not a cartoon and the other cartoon claims he is a cartoon it's the most insane premise you've ever heard i'm uh, i'm looking at uh, bonkers on imdb right now uh look at the the voice cast it's totally stacked with all of the usual suspects here it's at uh, jim cummings frank welker but uh ron perlman's in it too yeah so, but kind of what I'm getting out of your story about Bonkers the Cat is that Steven Spielberg and Michael Eisner are, like, long overdue for a road trip together where they sort out their problems. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it all back home, Bobby. That's why we, we keep you on the podcast. Back to a goofy movie. This movie was directed by Kevin Lima, who we know from in directing Enchanted, like, 15 years after this. Um, it was written mm-hmm. by uh, Jim Magan, who was a writer for Goof Troop. So they just brought him over into the movie, or maybe they just used his script for the pilot. <laughs> they were like, don't <laughs> worry, we'll credit you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a story by, so yeah. It was also written by Chris <laughs> Matheson, the other guy from writing Bill and Ted, oh, who, wow. uh, isn't Ed Solomon, who went on to do Men in Black and a bunch of other properties. Um, but. Also the, uh, son, son of Richard Matheson, writer of I Am Legend. Yeah, I know. Chris Matheson, Is the son of Richard Matheson. I just discovered this. That's awesome. And then also uh, Brian Pimentel, who was a Disney animation stalwart, uh, was also credited uh, for the screenplay. Bobby, how does this movie start? Just a simple screen that says, A Movie, (laughs) The Goofy Scream, and his name crashes into the title. And all I could think was, oh, that's perfect. That is exactly what you're in for. Did you know that The Goofy Holler is mostly stock audio it was recorded in the 40s by a guy named Hans Schroll who was a yodeler it was included in a goofy short called the art of skiing and they've just reused that stock audio over and over and over again for like 70 years now. That's kind of amazing. So Goofy has his own Wilhelm scream? Well, this movie also has a Wilhelm scream, but we'll get to that. (laughs) This movie does too. Yeah, I wrote that down too. Again, didn't notice. So there's a Goofy holler and a Wilhelm scream. There's now two iconic stock audios that Rob will never recognize because he's audio blind. Couldn't tell ya. He's ear blind. That's, (laughs) yeah, not deaf. Yeah. Ear blind. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm gonna call it. Yeah, and then you're open to a shot of an open field with Max having a dream about the girl of his dreams, Roxanne in school. Um, I touched on this earlier on in the podcast, but the version that is on Disney Plus, um, as Sean worded it, has been on Josh <laughs> Um where on Josh, this has been slightly altered. When Roxanne originally falls down into Max's arms, his nose went into her chest. The version that is on Disney Plus, they space that out just a frame or two, so he just catches her, and she's his nose is about an inch away. Again, not a. I don't think that's a bad change by any means. It, it's just something that's there for this version. Yeah. There's a lot of sexual imagery. I mean, it is a wet dream, essentially. This kid is having this this sex dream about Roxanne. When he finds her, she's on a large phallic pedestal, and then she blows seeds onto his face in a very sexual way and falls into him. Like, it's, you know, it's it's pretty racy for a Disney movie in a lot of ways. But accurate to the dream of every single horny 14-year-old boy. True. We've all had the phallic pedestal seed dream. Running through the field of wheat dream. We all grew up in Saskatchewan, so yes, we've all had that dream, don't even lie. When you grow up in Saskatchewan, every dream just has fields of wheat in it, whether it's sex dream, <sighs> yeah. nightmare, you know, late for class, didn't study for a test, <laughs> forgot to wear my clothes, all of that also just takes place in wheat. It's just assumed when you yeah, describe it- a dream that the wheat is there. <laughs> We edit that part out, but to people outside of this province. Just so you know. Uh, like, we're cutting out the part where it's like, it's like it was like my grandma's house, but it was her house from the 90s. I'm cutting out the part where it's full of wheat. <laughs> and then all my teeth fell out into a field of wheat? Yeah. Then what happens, Bob? Just as he is about to climax in his wet dream, it turns into a nightmare. And he turns into his father, the nightmare of every teenage child in the entire world. Um, I actually, I hadn't seen this movie Probably since I was a little kid. And so a lot of this was kind of fresh for me. Like, I remembered the beats of the movie and things that happened, but it wasn't that clear in my mind. I like the, like, sudden, like, legitimate nightmare shift in Hasbro. This is the worst nightmare in his world that he's a 50 foot version of his father. Although that's, that's just what he sees a normal version of his father as, cause he's so grotesquely tall, but yes. Or is, or is Max just really small? Cause everyone in the Goofy world's, like, taller than Max. Yeah, Max has stunted growth. Goofy's wife must yeah. have been quite short. Because he certainly didn't get that from Google. Yeah, from I, George. No, Uh what was his buddy's name? TJ or something? PJ. 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 Which is obviously Junior. Junior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Voiced by uh, Rob Paulson, another great voice actor. Yeah, indeed. I noticed that. That was a good one. Um, how tall is he compared to Maximilian? He's not much taller than him. And Roxanne is about the same height. Yeah, but Roxanne's father is like 20 feet tall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe the yeah. dogs all hit a growth spurt when they, like, turn 18. They, they grow into their paws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. Thanks. All right. We're, we're adding it. Ladies and gentlemen, Robbie has had a second joke.
1: <laughs> we uh. took, like,
0: 26 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So he wakes up from the nightmare, right? Wakes up from a nightmare in a cold sweat in his bedroom. And, uh, what happens then? PJ is phoning him asking where he is because he's late for the last day of school by an hour. And they have a very important project that he should just call off. And Max says, no, we're not calling it off. It's now or never. We're going to do it. And so he has to rush to school. And so he starts getting ready. And then in to his room pops the hero, titular, goofy of a goofy movie, Mr. Goof. Rob. What do you think about this scene? What do you think about Goofy coming into this scene? My first question was, if Max is late for school, what the hell is Goofy doing? Like, shouldn't he also be getting ready for work? He works at Kmart. He does shift work. Oh, okay. And Max, Max isn't actually late for school. He's late for their special project he was supposed to get to school early for. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. Makes if sense. that's the case, the entire school is late for school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have a, uh, a song later um yeah. but uh goofy rocks up wearing a a towel across his chest and his head I think right like he just came out of the shower and he's carrying a vacuum cleaner listen we're going to talk about it but this is the most 90s any movie has ever been but as being a 90 mo- 90s movie an early 90s movie they essentially Mr. Mom him yeah, and yeah so yeah. coming into this they're like oh he's a single father oh that's very emasculating so he he wears women's clothing in multiple points in this film like it's it's kind of annoying or do you think <laughs> like it's a uh, a quick way to spell it out he's wearing a towel like a woman would wear a towel to personify that he's not that Max doesn't have a mom anymore like is, he, is it to say that like let's do this both ways. Well, I guess I guess that would be the generous take yeah. that it was a deliberate artistic choice to put into the audience's mind even if they don't realize it that he is acting as both a father and a mother so that the audience doesn't go, "Well, wait, who's Max's mother?" Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, I I could buy that if someone said it was intentional for that reason. Okay. Well, maybe it's not maybe it's not sexist. Maybe it uh maybe it's a it's a deliberate Narrative choice. That Goofy has to do both the jobs, both the responsibilities. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're introduced to Goofy. He's very smothering to his son. He, he's a very loving father, but Max just wants his space and he gets that space by running out of the house and singing his song. So I'm going to ask you guys what you think about this song, but I'm going to start off right now. Um There's two categories of songs in this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's the power line songs. Yeah. And then there's the bad songs. Yep. This is the first of the bad songs. And it's the best in my opinion. It's the best of the bad songs. Yes, I completely agree. It's I don't think it's a good song, but it's better than the other bad songs. And it's not terrible. I can tolerate this song. (laughs) Bobby, What you hate musicals in general. Bobby, what did you think about it? So here's the thing with me and musicals. I can forgive them in cartoons because cartoons aren't real. Um, I can watch movies like this, <laughs> Bobby. You know movies aren't real, right? I know, I know movies like <laughs> these are documentaries we're watching, right? <laughs> yes, but I... <laughs> no wonder you didn't like the song in Enchanted <laughs> in Central Park. It's because you're like this is supposed to be real. <laughs> James Marsden didn't actually do that. It's, yeah. a, it's a stupid thing with me, but yeah, cartoons, I'm like, ah, whatever, it's a cartoon, but like live action musicals, I am like really just not a fan of. Stuff like Enchanted, I, like again, Disney movie stuff I can handle, like stuff like Enchanted, because I'm like, okay, this is like, this is just a Disney movie, even though it's live action. Um, What about theater musicals, Bobby? F- like hate, if you go- hate them. Hey, I've seen Evil Dead the musical twice, and the first time I saw it, it was the worst fucking thing I'd ever seen in my entire life, because the theater company in Ottawa rented at a theater that wouldn't let them do any gore or special effects or spray the audience in blood, which was the only reason to see that musical, so they instead focused on the song and dance numbers, and it was fucking abysmal. The second version I saw was a production in Vancouver where they were like, no, 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 sit in the first five rows. Everything's covered in plastic, get soaked in blood. You, you came here to get covered in blood. We know that's the only reason you're here. When I saw that version, it was a lot of fun. I was in this flatter zone, too, when I saw that. We actually, I was actually at that, just a side note, I was at that one with Thomas, and Thomas and I both wore white t-shirts. Yeah, so um, I. <laughs> They actually didn't sell out the first few rows of the show, and so one of the ushers was like, you guys came dressed in white. Those seats didn't sell. Do you want to sit in the second row? And we were like, yes. So we just like moved up like a couple of rows for free and got soaked. It was a lot of fun. Nice. What if they dumped blood on you at Les Mis? <laughs> <laughs> Would you go to Les Mis? <laughs> no. <laughs> like it's, it's still exactly the same. It's just they just they dump just blood on you. just dump a bucket of blood on you. And only you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, if it meant I wouldn't have to watch the rest of it, maybe. I, d- I, just, I don't like uh, musicals, as I've said a thousand fucking times. The other one I like was one I saw with... I think Rob, uh, like 20 years ago, um, and it was the producers. I had a lot of fun seeing that with you. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the. I don't remember them dumping blood on you in the <laughs> They didn't. That's <laughs> the thing. That one didn't need blood because that one was just fun and silly and I enjoyed that for what it was. Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, I've heard that apparently the last production of Les Miz is like kind of hilarious just because it's just Hugh Jackman, um, and Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe like having a hateful sing-off to one another. One loaf of bread. Just one loaf of bread, only one. Anyway, I've never seen a production of Les Mis ever, so couldn't tell you. Let's get back to the movie. Rob, yeah, uh, this is the best of the bad songs, in your opinion. What do you think about this song? Uh, I only made one note about this song, and it was: "This is a musical question mark exclamation mark" because I had forgotten entirely, and I <laughs> you had forgotten that there, you had forgotten about Power Line. I remembered Power Line. I knew that there okay. was a concert at the end. But I thought that was it. Uh, I did not know that they actually sang songs in this movie. Um, and I had seen this movie, I think like in March of this year, uh, of 2022, I, I, I had seen it. I put it on because I was like, Oh man, a goofy movie. Uh, so I had seen this within the past 12 months and I had forgotten in, in that short span of time that this was a music. I had, I had actually <laughs> forgotten that too, funny enough. <laughs> um, like again, remember the Powerline songs? Cause they're, they, they sound like 90s pop songs. And then yeah. as soon as the songs happened, I was like, oh right, the Open Road song. Yeah, I remember this. Uh, I like this one as far as, as like, I'm the same opinion as you, Sean, though. It's the, it's the best of the bad songs. Like, they, they were like, we gotta get that opening musical number, you know, we gotta work on this one a lot, and then when they got to, like, any of the other ones, they are just like, ah, ah, it doesn't matter. They're already in. They're not gonna walk out of the theater at this point. It's kind of a weird song, because it follows the standard of most musicals where you open with a number that introduces the world that the movie is mm-hmm. going to inhabit it introduces a lot of background characters and supporting characters this does none of those things it thinks it does but it doesn't like it do- yeah. it has the style of that song but it accomplishes none of the goals of that song because okay it introduces spoonerville movie doesn't take place in spoonerville yeah like after yeah. like five minutes later we're out of spoonerville Okay, well, it introduces all the background characters at the school. Movie also – none of those people matter. Yeah. <laughs> After like five minutes, none of them are going to be in the movie again. I, 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 the only thing I would say is that it does is maybe it says how much uh, they've got plans for the future. Like Max has got this plan to be with Roxanne and, and then it- – It's not going to happen. It introduces his goal. It's his I Want song more than – but it's in the style of the Introduce the World song. How do you document real life when real life's getting more like – yeah. yeah, that, that one. Essentially, yeah. yeah, it's, it's in the style of a welcome to the show song, but yeah. it's really Max's I want song. Yeah. It's kind of weird in that way. The one thing it does do though is it perfectly introduces us to the fact that this is the early 1990s. Yes. Because, oh my god, all of these people are so 90s. Yeah, yeah like the, goth- yeah. the goths on the school bus. Like, I, I saw that one. Yeah, I picked up on that. It's so 90s that like Roxanne's best friend is just Blossom. Like, she's just Blossom. And uh the guy who plays Chad is Joey Lawrence, apparently. He's got, like, two lines of dialogue. Like <laughs> He's the guy who sings the song, Gonna live in the pool. That's his one line. He just <laughs> sings, I'm gonna live in the pool. Yeah. And then he, like, flexes his muscles. Although I found it crazy that in the movie, the character named... The, the Chad is named Chad. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. What a coincidence. Um, But yeah, there you go. It's so 90s that they actually brought in Joey Lawrence to go, whoa. Yeah. One thing I did make a note of on this one, I was just like, are they shooting jockstraps at Max? Like, they were yeah, literally, yes. like, firing jockstraps at Max's face. And I guess that's to show how everyone hated him at the beginning. And then he does his power line prank. And then everyone loves him. Right, right. Let's get to that. The song ends and we're introduced to the fact that this is the big plan that PJ was talking about. They're going to pull a prank question mark. And I want to talk to you guys about this because I don't know what their plan is. I know conceptually what they're going to do because they start doing it, but I just don't know what they think they're doing. He's going to interrupt the school auditorium announcements like they're doing an assembly, a last day of school assembly, and he's going to interrupt that with a Powerline video, music video, where he's dressed as Powerline lip syncing to a song. Yep. That's going to play on the projector. Yep. Like, do they think this is a prank? Do they? What, what do they think is happening? That's a stunt that he can get popularity so he can date Roxanne. I mean, that's literally what the plan is. Yeah, and there's a line in the song where he says, after today, I'll either be famous or – I'll be in detention, although Wallace Shawn says the detention line. How does he think he's going to be famous? Because they're doing this in secret. I know. That's the thing. Is when he gets caught. He's like, oh, no, my plan. How is how is Roxban supposed to figure out that it was him if he doesn't reveal himself? Yeah. The whole point was he was never going to reveal himself. Yeah. yeah. How did he think he was going to be? Anyone would know that he was the one who did this. Uh, uh, Word of mouth. Whisper, whisper, whisper. That was so-and-so who went streaking on the last day of high school. Like, he would just tell people, just, like, saunter up to him and be like, yeah, hey, that, you know, was that was me. me. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> the second question I have is, why are they doing this live? On a projector. Their plan is to interrupt this assembly with a music video that's on a projector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why yeah. are they shooting it live? Correct. I mean, we do this podcast live, but yeah. why are they doing Because <laughs> it <live>? it's <laughs> the 90s and it has to be hijinks. We do this podcast live. <laughs> Every time someone hits play, we have to go and do it again. (laughs) So much of Max's plan is not well thought out. Like, PJ really needed to ask two questions. One, how is anyone going to know that you are the one that did this? Two, why aren't we pre-recording this stunt? Yeah. Seems a lot easier. Uh My main question was why the character of Bobby is using a torch to do AV work. Torch Torch talk. Torch talk! He had some PPE, didn't he, Bob? Talk about his PPE. He did. I think he he does actually have a face shield. I mean, like, why yep. their school has access to acetylene torches that he can just grab? Uh, shop class, I guess. Yeah, maybe there's an auto body class. That, yeah, you could, yeah, this could be. I mean, they seem to go to a pretty good high school. They have a they have an amazing AV department, apparently. An amazing AV department. It's just like a TV on like one of those standard TV. Yeah, but they have enough rollers. like projectors and lights and like. The Bobby's got enough work oh, yeah. to do that with like the projectors and the lights and oh. the show and the screen yeah, and like yeah, yeah. he's able to like get 3D. Like, and then they have a smoke machine. Their gym is like decked out. <laughs> yeah. It is prepared. Yeah. Like for the stoner kid who only eats sleazy cheese, like the guy knows what he's doing. Sean, are we going to talk about your favorite, uh, actor at all? Who went uncredited in this movie because he didn't want his name to be the draw. We're not going to talk <laughs> about him at all. No. We're not going to talk he's about He's not credited not at all. Who are, you talking- he- he- who are you talking about? He's not credited. All right. Well, the character of Bobby, I'll go with then. That's what his name is? Right, Bobby? Yeah. Uh Apparently, I, I didn't realize this, but his whole shtick is just adding extra syllables to words. Uh And he, he got very far in life by doing that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it took a while for people to catch on to that that was his comic routine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the entire thing that he does in this, is just add extra yeah, he's syllables. He's like Ray J. Johnson. He's just got the one thing. Yeah. And he just went really far with that one thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Although I do have to compliment that of all of his examples of adding syllables to things, when he talks to the principal and he goes, Mr. Er
1: <laughs> What's up, bro?
0: <laughs> I, I kind of chuckled a little bit. Yeah, What's- <laughs> I kind of chuckled at that a little bit. Yeah. Like, maybe this is just too meta, but when I saw the character of Bobby eating sleazy cheese, I asked my mom what that was, and she bought me a can, so I would- I, I have eaten sleazy cheese. Because I, I had no idea what it was. Like, canned cheese? Uh, uh-huh. Don't eat it. It's, like, horrible. It's, like, ten steps below cheese with- I had contemplated buying a can for this episode. Instead of making a drink, I was gonna make myself some- a leading tower cheese. I thought cheese you were gonna up. say, and, and you were gonna, like- you were gonna make yourself a drink with canned cheese. No. God, no. <laughs> I have a line, Bobby. A Gordon... B- <laughs> uh, um, oh, God. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll never talk about him again. It's fine. Don't worry. Let's keep going. All right, so he interrupts Wallace Shawn's <laughs> speech at the assembly, the last day of school assembly, to do his uh, music video in the style of Powerline. And Powerline is just like a Michael Jackson Prince pastiche. Yep. Uh, the songs are performed by Tevin Campbell. Yep, it's performed by Tevin Campbell, and they are written by Patrick, uh, Patrick de Remar and... Roy Freeland and Patrick DeRemar actually wrote the Mighty Ducks theme for the cartoon show. Oh. Mighty Ducks! <laughs> uh, which is terrible, but I do like these Powerline songs. These Powerline songs are, are pretty dope, I have to say. Uh. Is, is it more than one song or is it the same song over and over again? I honestly couldn't tell. They both sound very similar, but they're two songs. Yeah, stand Out, eye tie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this is a D2 over-romanticizing my childhood moments. Maybe if I heard them now, I'd be like, these are the worst songs I've ever heard. But even rewatching this film, I was like, nah, this song's pretty good. (laughs) This is a pretty good song. (laughs) Yeah, but then he gets caught, because it all goes wrong. It goes really right for a while. It goes really right. Even when it starts going wrong, it just goes more right somehow. In, like, true goofy fashion. Yeah, considering, like, they they, they put a hook on him, right? And, and like, when they access the fog machine that they didn't know that they were going to need, they just have it up and running they put a hook on him and, and they both like uh, look at each other before they do it They're like uh, i don't know yeah sure go for it and then like max goes along with it and it works it's crazy it's peter pans his way around the gym yeah. it's pretty great and he's like he's grabbing basketballs for people and like doing slam dunks and stuff and you're just like this wasn't rehearsed <laughs> and why would you think like you're not a cool guy max if you could just whip this out like come on <laughs> <laughs> what you waited for the last day of school to do this? Alright, so he gets caught though and we cut now to Goofy and we introduce him at his job. And uh as you mentioned previously, he works at Shop Smart, Shop Smart, yep. as a photographer. I kinda wanna see the version of this scene with uh with just a normal voice, a normal speaking voice, like where he swallows the the squeaky toy, but it's just a normal like <laughs> voice who did it before. Like, I wanna see this version. <laughs> That would make no sense. <laughs> it would not have played at all. What was what was no. Katzenberger thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and Pete is his boss. I I, boss? I have to ask. A coworker. No, he's his boss. Well he's I boss? I have to assume he's his boss. He might even be his coworker, but he acts like he's his manager. But okay. he's not like he's not that senior. He's just like the manager. Like Goofy is just like an associate photographer and like Pete is manager of the department, I think. Or he's like the su- he's like the supervisor of the photography department. Like that's how retail yeah. works. Yeah. I mean, he's not a very good supervisor because from all of the information that we are given, there are two people that work at the photography department and both of them went on holiday at the same time. <laughs> at the last minute because yeah. goofy gives no no notice exactly pete just... he literally leaves in the middle of his ship yeah. to go on vacation yeah now, to be fair this seems like some something that's somewhat regular for goofy because in the sequel an extremely goofy movie he loses his job <laughs> it wasn't the fact that he just walked out uh in this one that he lost his job to go on a two-month summer vacation vacation does that mean that pete fired him And you said he wasn't the villain, Sean. I guess Pete fired him. Well, no. If you're a supervisor in a department, you don't really have hiring and firing authority. Yeah. Yeah. You can write a review. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he could have tried to protect Goofy a bit more. I really, I really, I need an explanation. This is a question that I honestly want you guys to give me an explanation to. How is Pete affording that RV? Right. When he's the supervisor at like a Kmart photography department? If we go back to a Goof Troop. Uh, His wife is a realtor, so she probably makes a lot of money. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So she's the breadwinner. Okay, so then let's get into the second part of the question then. Where the F is is his wife? Uh, yeah, fair enough. Him and his son PJ go on vacation for what appears to be months. It's a week. Because it says the power Line concerts at the at the end on Saturday or something, right? So I imagine this is a situation where if you were married to Pete, your vacation would be your husband getting as far the fuck away from you as possible. That's what I was gonna say. He also has a daughter that doesn't appear in this movie. Yep. Yeah. Because in Goof Troop he has a daughter named Pistol. So and his wife is named Peg. So Peg and Pistol stayed home. Mm-hmm. And she bought him that RV. It's a kid's movie, and maybe I don't want to make this joke, but it's like when PJ leaves the office, he says, my dad's going to squash me like a bug. Like He's going to smack the shit out of PJ when he gets home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. It's really funny thinking about uh, Winnie the Pooh being Pete if, if in this context. As the abusive husband? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, Winnie the Pooh is everybody. Jim Cummings is a fantastic voice actor. His I range know, is like obscene. It's amazing. He sounds a little bit like Tigger. Like this is kind of like evil Tigger voice. It's a bit deeper, but yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can you can recognize the inflections a little bit. Um, so when Pete gets home, is our Peg and Pistol even going to be there, or do you think they're they're taking this time to move out? <laughs> they're like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a fair assumption, honestly. Maybe that's why Pete's such a jerk. Uh, as he knows his wife is leaving him. No, he, I think he's ignorant of it. I think he's just like, oh, an RV. It's a very expensive distraction that she's she's purchased for him. He's he's completely ignorant of it. Later in the film, he doesn't understand that PJ's afraid of him. He says, my son respects me. Yeah. He he doesn't see the fear that lives in PJ's eyes. He's completely oblivious. Yeah, that, that PJ is like, that's a traumatized childhood that this kid has. Like, Pete's he, the, the guy, done. you know, that like doesn't realize he's a fucking asshole. And it's like, no, people respect me. And it's like, no, they just don't want to deal with you. Mm-hmm. As his wife is in the process of leaving him. Yeah. That he doesn't realize. Oh, man. All right. This is depressing. This took a turn. It's a dark film. Yeah. It's actually a very depressing film. The whole thing is about a single father trying to, connect you know, connect with his Reclaim son? a little bit of a connection with his son. I mean, there is a line later on that says, I know you have your own life. I just want to be a part of it. Yeah, I know. I wrote that line, too, because it's just... It's uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah and uh bill farmer just like hits it out of the park I gotta say as goofy it, it crossed the whole film I thought he did a great job yeah across the whole yeah. film he's great this, yeah. this was apparently a conscious choice with it too as I read that going into the like going into this film they were like no we we don't just want him to be goofy we want him we want to show his emotional side we want to like show that he's like a, a full person mm-hmm. and so they like made a point to like show that in this side of the movie and as you say like bill farmer's really good in this he's really good and i mean jim cummings is really good as he always is and it's a good example of what you can get from professional voice actors people who have done voice acting for a living their entire careers and they're exceptional at it like bill farmer is doing the goofy voice and giving a dramatic emotional performance <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's heart wrenching and, it's, and it's genuinely effective. yeah like, that's amazing. We'll get into this a bit more, but like, not to be like too much of a downer, but like, my, my dad passed away seven years ago, and there was a couple of moments this film had me tear up just because I was like, fuck, I miss my dad. But I, I mean that in like the nicest way possible, that like, yeah, as you say, it's like, Goofy got an emotional reaction out of me is how good Bill Farmer is in this film. Goofy. Yeah. Goofy. Oh, no, definitely. His name yeah. is Goofy. That's crazy. He's a talking dog who yucks. <laughs> I mean, like, if you met my dad that tracks, and you did. <laughs> All right, I've seen this movie in a whole new lens. <laughs> All right, so Goofy at work gets a call from Wallace Shawn who tells him that his son is in big trouble. And if he doesn't straighten him out, he's headed straight to the electric chair. I loved this because this, I mean, I, I didn't quite catch it as Spoonerville, Ohio. I was just writing it as Goof County, but like in Spoonerville, they have the death penalty. This is a very serious threat for Goofy. He's <laughs> mm-hmm. very alarmed. Yeah, capital punishment yeah. for the power line video. And so Goofy is so distraught, he doesn't know what to do, and then he remembers that when he was a lad, him and his father went to Lake Destiny, Idaho on a fishing trip, and it was one of his most cherished memories. And he decides to take his son camping, because he heard that Pete was taking his son camping, on a fishing trip to Lake Destiny, Idaho to reconnect with his son and to straighten him out and prevent him from being executed by the state. Mm -hmm. Disney film. Yep. Yeah. makes perfect sense he's finally gotten the attention of roxanne and he works up the nerve to ask her out to go to a party at blossom's house where they're going to watch the upcoming powerline concert on pay-per-view and she says yes and it's very awkward and charming and high school-ish. Yeah. Um, so he goes home thrilled that he finally has a date with roxanne and everyone at school thinks he's cool because he did that sweet flying slam dunk which is very sweet, to be fair. We gotta, we gotta say, um, he actually meets Roxanne before. They go to the same school. He knew her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they like actually had a moment. They had a moment where she seemed to be into him before he did the stunt. But Max is so oblivious he didn't pick up on it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought that was, that was a thing. Cause like, <laughs> she, uh, the, it, it's definitely a callback at the very end. Um, where Goof says, if she's not okay with it, then maybe she's not the one for you. You know, and it's like, oh, no, she liked him from the very beginning. Like, it's also that he had been lying to her on this weird, insane, extravagant lie. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's good advice to be like, oh, if she's not okay with you creating a massive facade and lying about where you are. Then she's not the one for you. Are you sure? I think that's I, I think that's a you problem, yeah. not a her yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I did write that down. I said uh I said, why did he say all of those things? He could have stopped at any point. <laughs> like <laughs> he just kept digging himself a hole. Well Max is very stupid, as we know from the fact that his whole power line prank doesn't make any no. sense in the yeah, first place. His lie is so stupid that it makes me laugh. It's a massive story contrivance that is dumb, that makes no sense. Why would you possibly do that other than to get the story going? But it's so stupid that it's like, well, he's a goof. Yeah. he has goofy genes. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> it's so dumb. He's just like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna see the Powerline concert. Cool. Enough said. Done. Right? And then it's like, I'm gonna be, on I'm gonna stage. be on stage with my dad. That's an extra layer. <laughs> It's not just me. <laughs> with my dad, I now have to get have to get my dad to go along with this. And then says my dad and powerline used to be in the band together. <laughs> yeah, he's running this lie on hard difficulty. Yeah. Um there was a joke uh when uh, uh they uh, Max arrives back at home and Goof is loaded up the car and uh he says, "I'm going on a fishing trip with my best friend." And uh Max goes uh Donald Duck or was it Donald Duck or Daffy Duck? Whatever one it was. It's Donald, Donald Duck. Duck. I w- I was like, oh, so this is supposed to take place in the same universe because there's like besides that, and then he says Walt Disney later. Okay, well that's a weird. Yeah, that's a separate thing. That is Dark a separate movie. thing. But then there's Mickey and Donald, right? That there's a cameo by those two. Yeah, it takes place in the the um the Mickey Cinematic Universe or the MCU, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so Max right. gets yeah. home and Goofy taking him on a road trip. Max is, um, I can't go, I have a date, and Goofy says shut up, I'm taking after Pete now, get in the car, and takes him on a road trip. He briefly stops at Roxanne's place to, as you said, explain to her the situation, but then he does a massive lie for absolutely no reason, where he explains to her that he's going to go dance on stage with Powerline and his dad, he's going (laughs) to wave to her. (laughs) It's so dumb. None of that needed to be said. None of it needed to be said. That's the premise. There's a line here that I actually really liked, and my wife enjoyed it too, where Max is, like, shooing away the map, and Disney says, stop, you're wrinkling my past. (laughs) Goofy says, stop, you're wrinkling my past? Because Max has the map in his hand, and either shoos the map away from his hand or, like, throws it. And Goofy grabs the map back and says, watch out, son, you're wrinkling my past. I don't think I ever understood what he was saying there. You you saying it with that that intonation, like, reminded me of the exact moment in the scene, but I don't think I ever put together what he was saying you're wrinkling my past he said this map has been passed down from his father to his father they went on the same yeah, road yeah, yeah, from yeah, goof, it, to, yeah, goof to goof <laughs> okay so now they're on the road trip <laughs> yeah. okay um they get in the car they drive for a little bit max is grumpy and then they sing a song one of the bad songs oh, in my opinion the worst yeah, of the bad yeah songs. yeah we're on the same page it's the worst of the bad songs this one was terrible it's so bad oh i hate this song um, but they sing a song about driving on the open road, and they are on a eleven lane freeway. Dude, it's fucking America. Have you driven on American highways? Like they're no. insane. Yeah, like it, I mean, it's one way eleven way, so it would be a twenty two lane highway. Dude, yeah, dude, like it's it's an interstate. That's what they are. Geez. Yeah, like like it's uh, one of our friends when they came back from road trip to the states. Their first comment was like, "America knows how to build a fucking road." Yeah, thank you, Ike Eisenhower. <laughs> yeah. It's always infrastructure week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three jokes. Well, <laughs> in, in this song is also where you get the Willem scream. We do? When was it? When they crash into the uh, construction workers and Max sings the line, I may be back someday, though I may be in traction when I do. And he crashes into those construction workers. Mm. They do the Wilhelm scream. I was probably counting the number of lanes. <laughs> There's some weird meta stuff going on in this song. Um before they start singing, actually, they play twenty questions for a minute. It's like twenty questions, right? And he goes, Man or a woman? And Goof and Max says a man. And Goofy goes, Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at that because I was well, like – Well, he doesn't it, say, oh, man, uh, man. He says, oh, man. Like, he doesn't want to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like – oh, Goofy oh, thinks he's playing. I just thought it was funny that, like, he just – you've narrowed it down between man or a woman. And he's like, oh, already stumped. He can't go on past that. Well, he probably only knows one woman. It's the mom. His dead wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, you start getting into other people he knows yeah. because this is a 90s Disney movie. It's very male-oriented. Okay. Who is Walt Disney in this universe? God. I'm assuming <laughs> that would be an interpretation. Goofy, uh-huh. I mean, I'm assuming the keychain is for religious purposes. He has a Disney keychain on his keys. It's like a cross.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, just it's the like Disney it, it's, logo. It's, it's, it's
0: this version of a crucifix. I, I, I am assuming Walt Disney is God. Okay. I mean, another option is that um, Goofy cameoed in the Bonkers TV show, and in the Bonkers TV show, Bonkers is an actor who stars in cartoons because he's actually animated, which means Goofy is actually animated. Which means maybe Walt Disney is a film director who directed maybe films? In th- some of the early Disney cartoons, there's a few of them with Walt talking to Mickey. Like, they're in scenes together. Oh, that is right. Walt does interact with Mickey a lot. So, assumably, maybe it is some kind of Who Framed Roger Rabbit world where Disney just has access to the portal that is the MMCU, the Mickey Mouse Cinematic Universe. And Goofy, who... Just goes through jobs. Yeah. At one point was employed by Walt Disney. (laughs) Yeah. And he still kept the the keychain. He kept the keychain. But yeah, now he works at S-Mart as a child photographer. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was a camera operator. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using the same skills. After Wall Street, and he realized, like, where was the point in my life when I was happy? Yeah, he was thinking back to the times when he worked with cameras and Walt Disney. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, we are reading into this quite a lot. Uh, I like Bobby's interpretation of it being God, but that means that if he met him before, uh, that God is a uh, physical manifestation on Earth. Maybe Mickey <laughs> is like Muhammad, and he's a prophet of God. Uh, we could, we can't say that, because uh, then it would be a... Uh, depiction mickey mouse would be a depiction of the prophet muhammad <laughs> oh that's a that's a very good point point. and also you gotta mark down another one that's a four <laughs> <laughs> that's it t- t- tired rob for the win you're hilarious <laughs> thanks the other question i have about this sequence is they drive past mickey and donald who are hitchhiking but isn't donald duck goofy's best friend max just said that that's what they said mm-hmm. like he's not giving donald duck a ride they're going the opposite direction it seemed like they were like, f- no, they're going to LA because Mickey is his California IA or bus. They're, they're oh. going the same direction. Gotcha. Okay. But, but yeah, they're going the same direction, but Goofy doesn't know he's going to be going to LA. But Idaho is yeah nearer LA. It is. Like they're going in the general same direction, although their particular route is insane because they go south yeah. to Florida they, yeah. for some reason. And Louisiana. Like they go all over the place. What's even in more insane? Peach is also going on a road trip with his son, but seems to be taking the exact same route as Goofy and Max. Actually, the, the more unsettling part of this movie for me is that Goofy and Max are being stalked by a station wagon full of nuns the entire trip. What? I've never noticed. Okay, I did. And I, let's just skip ahead to it because Bobby's pointed this out now. Uh So in this sequence, we are introduced to the nuns in a station wagon, part of the song. They sing a little bit and they drive past. And then later on, they stop at a truck stop diner. Oh, yeah. And... If you look around the diner, everyone in the diner was the people that they drove past on the highway multiple days ago. And so I wrote a little note, and my note that I put down here, let me just read it out to you. Uh why was there a second team, Kittredge? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. And the nuns are behind them. And then if you watch, uh, everywhere they go in their little road trip, especially during the montage where they go to the roller coaster, where they go to the monster truck rally, the nuns are there. Wow. Yeah, I never picked up on that. The, the, and the nuns are at the power line concert. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think they they're in the like lineup of cars going to the stadium. I think, aren't they? I uh, I did make a note uh, when they went to the gas station. Did you guys read what the the lo- the slogan was on the gas station sign? No. What is it? It was – the. it's just the dumbest thing. It, it said, eat and get gas. That's what they came up with. It was, like, that is the uh, – that is the extent of the effort they put into uh, uh writing their slogan there. And I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a joke or that is what they had as a temporary placeholder when they were doing the storyboards and they just kept it. <laughs> I like how you missed the nuns because you were like, eat and get gas. I and did. then you're like writing that down. I did. I <laughs> did. They even put it in quotes. Okay, so what happens after this? Let's get out of this song. What happens They go next? to Lester's Opossum Farm Park, but they don't spell it. right. But What is the deal with this thing? I like that this is Disney ripping on itself. Like, we talked about this like on The really Country Bears. ripping on itself. Yeah. yeah. Like, really ripping on itself. Like, this is, like... You know, Disney will satirize itself at times. Aladdin, there's a bunch of like satirical jokes about Disney. But this goes beyond satire. Like Max, I think at one point says this is pathetic or something. Yeah, yeah. Like they really drag the country bears through the mud. And like also yeah. and like to the point that like Kevin Lima is the voice of Lester the Possum. But I have a question about that. Because possums are anthropomorphic and there is a possum that introduces the possum show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why is there just a different guy wearing a possum costume? Right. Wouldn't that be weird? Yes. Is it a possum wearing a possum costume? It's a possum wearing a possum costume. Sure. But I mean like – Two layers of possum. Just think of it like any other mascot. People are wearing a woody costume or a Buzz Lightyear costume at Disneyland. But those are toys. At Disneyland, people who play people don't wear people costumes. They just wear the wardrobe of the person. Like Aladdin isn't wearing an Aladdin costume. Like I mean like, like there's no Aladdin helmet. Like mass. I got that's it. Just, All right. It's just a guy. So why isn't the possum just a guy? A possum? Why has it got to be a possum in a possum? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's um, <laughs> uh, the MC at the Possum Park too is actually uh, Pat Buttram, who is the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood. Then like is in back to the future part three like this i feel i think i think the film's actually the film is dedicated to him because he passed away shortly after recording his lines of dialogue at the park uh this scene with the the possums was uh i wrote a note that said didn't we just have a song uh like they they had the open road song which is one of the worst right like if not the worst song and then they go watch possums like sing a song and everyone's hooting and hollering and it's it's supposed to be worse than the open road song right like it's but it's better <laughs> that's the funniest it, part it's satire. is that well the next sequence they're they have what are what is supposed to be an intentionally bad song where they're like it, look at how bad this is this country bear style song but they accidentally wrote something that's slightly better than the open road song yeah. like it's still not good but it's slightly better than the legitimate song they just did but like so I wrote the note didn't we just have a song and Max is, all, yeah. is getting upset said about the song so like i'm like in the context of the film like is max getting fed up with the musical as well as the audience like i don't think they were supposed to feel like that i think they were trying to like make this good but it feels like it's it's terrible and i was like this is boring for the character and for the audience this shouldn't be what you're going for it's a strange scene i kind of like this whole lester's sequence because of how strange it is because for some reason They just, like, drag country bears through the mud and make it look so bleak and disturbing. And you're just like, why does Disney hate this franchise? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have a question now. It starts raining when they leave, right? Like, Goofy embarrasses Max. He gets upset and just says, let's just go. He tries to hitchhike home. But it's very dark the whole time. Like, I had a bit of trouble with the timeline here of this movie. To me, they're on the open road. They go in the evening to the Possum Park. Yeah. And then the next scene we have is it's brighter than it was before, and Goofy is setting up a tent. because it's, it's the next day. It's not, like, it's not that night. Okay because this is the f- you're skipping ahead to the next day they did something else yeah okay, yeah it's just like this is the first time we're seeing them set up the tent so like logically they should have had a scene where them the first night set up the tent just to continue on like the narrative to set up the premise of all of this right but it's like we we did something and then the next day they're setting up the. T- i don't know to me it just seems like they missed a beat there like there was a missing scene or something i mean i understand what you're saying we're like a plane trains and automobiles situation you would like account for yeah each night and they don't. They just skip ahead a day. Well, but like yeah. it's it's like it's like a road trip. The time and in this doesn't to... make any sense. They drive around the entire country in, in what you say is a week, yeah. and they they're not even like only in the car. They go jet skiing. You know, yeah. they go to a monster truck rally. They go to a Six Flags amusement park. Again, it's weird. They don't go to Disneyland. They go to a Six Flags amusement park. Yeah. Well, I guess you couldn't go to Disneyland and have a goofy animal like they they would run into themselves it would be uh they have a walt disney but they, yeah. that would be some like world breaking stuff where like goofy meets himself at the walt disney world <laughs> well they, he wouldn't meet himself he would meet another dog in a goofy costume he would that's meet what, a goofy in a goof just like a I'm possum in a getting possum. at it's like it would it would break their brains Well, Walt Disney probably owns the licensing rights to Goofy from that time that Goofy worked for Walt Disney. We've already established as a camera operator. (laughs) As a camera operator, it's part of the contract, Rob. Hey, okay. Disney owns the likeness rights to every employee. That's kind of what I hear it's like working at the parks. You're not wrong. Hey, listen, everybody is called a cast member, okay? <laughs> yeah. It's so that he doesn't need to change the contract. He owns the like, yeah, likeness Yeah, the key grip right. cast member. <laughs> the, yeah. the PA cast member. Everyone in the cast, we own their licensing yeah. rights and we can make you into a goofy and a goofy if we want um, to. Um uh, so this is the scene where they're set up a tent and we get the reintroduction of Pete and PJ, uh, with their R V. He's being tricked into <laughs> leaving his wife so she can divorce yeah, yeah, yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um she bought him an R V as a divorce present. Yeah. Yeah. So Pete and PJ are in this really cool R V that looks like it probably costs Three, four million dollars yeah, at least. Insane. In the nineties, it cost three or four million dollars. It has, it yeah. has a hot tub that comes out the side, a pool that comes out the side, a basketball court that comes out the side, a bowling alley on the roof. Uh, how many sides does this thing have? That's what I didn't understand. More than four. Cause like, <laughs> cause like the front is the front of the RV. The back is where like, the, the big, like... Elevator Alien's platform comes down. Yeah. <laughs> the elevator is, where they can get in and out. But then there's a shot of, like you said, a pool coming out of the side, a hot tub coming out of a different side, and then there's a third side. Where, where a basketball court comes out. <laughs> and a basketball court isn't small. It's like <laughs> non-Euclidean geometry in this RV. Yeah. It's insane. Um. Uh, yeah. And so then we get a scene where Pete lectures Goofy that he's not being abusive enough to his son. Yeah. And so Goofy decides... He'll be a bit more abusive to his son. And so they go fishing and then they run into Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's a weird plot point, although I do feel like it it does seem like something that would happen in like an old like nineteen forties goofy cartoon. Mm-hmm where the narrator is like, Goofy is going camping, and then he runs into Bigfoot. Like, it does seem like a Goofy thing, but it just seems like a weird tangent for this film. It does, but it kind of harkened back to, like, The Great Outdoors with me, with, like, Bart the bald-headed bear, and it would be, like, the main thing that would happen in one of those, like, outdoor camping movies, but because they only camp for, like, ten minutes in this, they just catch, they meet Bigfoot in, like, two and a half minutes. It's a bit longer than two and a half. Like, I, I I looked at it, it's almost, like, five, six minutes of the movie, is this whole Bigfoot thing, which feels like it's too long to be a single gag mm-hmm. but it's not long enough to be a plot point it's it's in this weird nether realm where it's just like this tangent where they spend 5 minutes with bigfoot it's it, i felt like it was odd Yes, I agree with you, but maybe it was Jeffrey Katzenberger actually did meet Bigfoot and he just wanted to recreate it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, this is true. This is, if this is mirroring his life, this is just what happened. No wonder he wanted to make it into a movie. He's like, guys, listen, (laughs) the most amazing thing happened. I filmed it. it He destroyed the camera. (laughs) Like uh, in the context of this film where Goofy is a talking dog, right? Who Mm -hmm. operates. Heavy machinery and, you know, all that jazz. What is Bigfoot? He's a talking Bigfoot. Yeah. They're still scared of him like he's Bigfoot. Like, I don't imagine... Like, he's big. He's yeah. big and he enjoys tormenting them. I mean, that's why he's scared of him. He's malicious. It's hilarious. When yeah. the, the shot where Goofy doesn't have the keys, it just cuts back to Bigfoot and he's swinging the keys and then throws them in the water. <laughs> I actually got... I got a chuckle out of that. Um That was a funny bit because... He he's uh sentient enough to know what keys are. Oh, I think he's very sentient. Everybody is sentient. Pluto just has a weird sex fetish. <laughs> okay, but, you know Bigfoot. He's sentient. He just doesn't. He just vocalizes in grunts, like um um like Aaron Lore in D two. <laughs> and I mean, like to, to to further prove that point, it's like he is aware of life theater. He puts on a Punch and Judy show for them. Knows enough to hide himself under the car so as not to break the illusion. Yeah. He's, he, he has seen the film Saturday Night Fever. He went to a yes, movie theater yeah. and watched the John Travolta film Saturday Night <laughs> Fever. So he's, he operates within society. Yeah, um, and he just is also camping. What I don't get though is that he's just like the giantest thing in the entire world, but a tiny little pane of glass is too much for him. Because he just wants to torture them. Oh, that's fair. He doesn't want to eat or hurt them. Yeah. That's why he sleeps on the roof. Because he's, I was like, there's got to be a more comfortable spot, Bigfoot. <laughs> I was a little perplexed at the Saturday Night Fever reference, though. I, I understand that yeah, the song too. Staying Alive and the dance that John Travolta does is ubiquitous enough that it permeates the culture. And so you can put it in a movie and it's just kind of like – Every parent and their child knows that it's a reference to that, even though they haven't seen the movie probably. But it's a weird movie to reference because that movie is so hard R. Like, it is the most unchild-friendly movie you're ever going to see. Never seen it. It's like Rocky if Rocky contained multiple rapes. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus! <laughs> wow. Okay, so that reference. Oh, and one of the rapists is Rocky. Jesus! And is not held accountable. Well, I had a joke, but I'm I'm not going to make it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's it's one of those things that description you just made aside is so heavily satirized that as you say, as a kid, you know it's making fun of something, so you know it's supposed to be funny, yeah. and. As an adult, you're just like, oh yeah, John Travolta. Like, I would rather watch Bigfoot do this dance than John Travolta. With it also making even less sense in the context of the film that we are watching is the fact that Max would be listening to Powerline. And they should have just played a Powerline song there and had Bigfoot dance to that, because that would make the most amount of sense. No, it wouldn't, because Goofy packed the car Max didn't know he was leaving. This is Goofy's – Goofy's had the same tape deck and his portable cassette player since the 1970s. Why isn't it yodeling? Because they were setting up the sequel where we reveal that Goofy is super into disco dancing. Yeah, <laughs> An extremely disco movie. Okay. Yeah, an extremely disco Goofy. Like, I'd yeah. watch that movie. Don't tell me you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's foreshadowing yeah all right i just thought i just thought it should have been Powerline there because like they have the song already and it would have like played up the fact that everyone loves Powerline. they got to save it for the dance number at the end you wanted an annoying goofy song to get the joke you don't want the audience to be like oh yeah power line let's get back to that again yeah <laughs> this is actually the scene where you get the turning point of the movie from max is that the glove box opens and he sees the map. He erases great, great grandpa Goof's line on the original map and circles Los Angeles so that his dad thinks they'll go to LA. Um, and I just want to point out that whatever car Goofy is driving has the most sinister glove box light in the entire world. <laughs> it's like the fires of hell. I really liked the lighting in that sequence. Yeah. It's really well shot. Um, bravo, Kevin. Uh, I like the lighting. I like the, the, the framing. It's, it's a good scene. It's very, tense as he desperately tries to complete his scam before his father wakes up i think it works it's nice okay and then the next scene is the diner scene uh follow me around the room kittredge eight o'clock elvis ten o'clock the scene opened up speaking of nice framing and and good shots uh the scene opened up uh with them in the reflection of a diner bell and they yeah yeah i noticed it like pulls back and then it goes into the diner i that was crazy i was like where the hell is this like this was an animation like (laughs) whoever did that scene the animator was just flexing like they were just like i got this idea (laughs) (laughs) i know it was it's like the impossible mirror shot from uh contact that robert zemeckis does it's like they went all out see that that was the good animation house that did that one thing to point out that i forgot to mention at the beginning. Um so this was one of the early films done by Disney Toon Studios. Mm-hmm. Disney Toon Studios oh, yeah. was a separate animation studio that was a division of Walt Disney Animation that would produce lower budget films. Originally the idea was that it would do spin-offs of their television series. So the first film that they made was um DuckTales the movie. Uh, I think this might have been the second one. So it's the second film was another spinoff from the Disney cartoon spinoff of Goof Troop. They then pivoted shortly after because, um, Return of Jafar had come out and Disney found that they could make a ton of money doing direct to video sequels. And so movie tune or Disney tune was then kind of repurposed to only make the direct -to to Disney. Toons, just the sequels. It had a two in the title. Disney Toons. Yeah, they changed it from Tunes to Toons. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> really reaching for that five there. <laughs> we will no longer be known as Disney Tunes. We will now be known Disney as Disney Toons. <laughs> exactly. But one of the things is that the reason why it's cheaper is because this was all outsourced animation. Gotcha. Um, and it wasn't a single animation house. So, like, the big budget, like, Pocahontas... The majority of that animation is being done in Burbank. It's being done at, you know, the Walt Disney Animation Studio. Disney Tunes would be pre-production storyboarded at Burbank, but it would be outsourced to both first-party Disney studios. In fact, there was a studio called Disney Animation France that did animation on this film. There's a studio called Disney Animation Australia that did animation on this film. And then they also licensed out certain sequences to just third-party companies. Um, whoever would be cheapest um, b- basically the same way like CGI effects are licensed out these days uh, and that's how they make it cheap but I guess it also kind of changes the animation standards from sequence to mm-hmm. sequence right so whoever did this particular scene like, that was the good house. Yeah. I hope they spent extra on that particular yeah. shot. Yeah, because it was really good. Although I don't know why you'd license out the diner scene right? to the, your best animator. <laughs> you would think, like, the uh, the action scene in the Grand Canyon, whatever it is, would be uh, where to spend your money. Although that, that shot, uh, them in the cave, with the water reflections on the ceiling when they're floating on their car, that was actually a really good shot, too. Yeah, we'll yeah. get there. I have yeah. some other stuff to say about uh, that. So, anyway, in this yeah. diner scene, uh, Max... Uh, and Goofy, they have a nice bonding moment, and Goofy says, you can be the navigator, you're getting the map, uh, which kind of plays directly into uh Max's hand, because we assume that Goofy can read, and would be able to see Lake Destiny. Uh, is not, in fact, the same place as yes, Los you Angeles. you would think. You would think. The first time he looks at the map. So it, it was a very, very good thing that happened to Max. Again, Max has bad plans. Terrible. He doesn't really have plans that are thought out in any way. Yeah. And then there's a montage of all the fun stuff that they do as they travel around the entire country. They go to the Florida Panhandle, which looks like Miami. They go to New Orleans, which I guess is famous for its mimes. Yes. They... they I was a little confused about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say it's New Orleans and the, has that kind of like French flavor about it because of the Acadian people that were forced down there during the early formation days of Canada. I guess maybe they do have mimes. But they they commit murder no this very quickly turns into why I know what you did last summer road trip where Goofy kills a man and Max and Goofy have to run and like keep the secret together as they finish off their road trip that's their bonding moment that is the moment that they knew that they were in this together was the fact when they maybe that's why the nuns keep following them because they know what they did last summer maybe that is why maybe the nuns saw and they're gonna kill them after the concert (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at the end of the montage they end up in neptune hotel which again it's the early 90s so there's waterbeds yeah there's waterbeds yeah, this is movie. the second nod to ariel in the movie she's the light switch she's also the set in the high school is a pirate ship for a play they're doing and she's on. there's a painting of her on the pirate ship gotcha oh yeah that makes sense yeah. um that makes sense. and pete and pj show back up at this neptune uh, Neptune Hotel or motel, whatever it is, uh, and we get, like, the most Cousin Eddie thing in the entire world. Uh He rocks up the door and says, can I plug it in? But he's really saying the shitter's full and just basically puts the black water tube to, like, their toilet. And there's just, like, gross water spewing all over the room, and they're just sitting there eating pizza. He's actually taped it to their air conditioner. Uh, that whole scene grossed me out. That was gross. The thing that grossed my wife out was at this point, she was like, wait, so Pete is not only Goofy's neighbor, he is also Goofy's boss, and now he's on vacation with his boss. Yes. She's like, this is literally a working class nightmare. Mm-hmm. A manager who somehow is a millionaire because his he's living off of his yeah. wife. Uh, who's leaving yeah. him. So things are going to go bad for Pete very quickly as soon as he gets home. And he realizes his meal ticket is gone. Maybe maybe that's why PJ is so scared, because he knows what the plan is. No, he's in on it, but he's just stringing his dad along. That's why he agreed to go on this road trip, so Mom could get away. Oh, man. mom, And then he'll move out with them. Oh, no. Wow, good for PJ. Very brave of him. There's the scene in the hot tub, right? So the scene in the hot tub is the scene where... Uh, goofy and pete discuss the situation pete overhears pj and max talking about how he changed the map and so pete breaks it to goof and they have a very intense scene uh again bravo to kevin for his direction in this sequence the lighting is intense and menacing yeah and uh bravo to the voice actors like this is another one of them like both of them are doing goofy voices Well, one of them's doing Goofy voice, the other one's doing a Pete voice. One of them's doing an uppercase G Goofy voice, and the other one's doing a lowercase G Goofy voice. But, like, it is menacing as F. I mean, the way Goofy walks away and, like, he's like, I trust my son. Yeah. Yeah, like, it is. Like, the way, like, Bill Farmer does it, you're just like, oh, you can hear the wavering in his voice. He's questioning it. And there's no reason for Pete to do this besides the fact that he is an asshole. Well, Yeah. I mean, the way he does it, he's he does yes. it because he's an asshole and he does it because yes. he takes joy in messing with Goofy because That's he's it. a bad yeah. person. But I mean, like, if you knew that your neighbor's son was taking him to L.A., you would tell him. I would tell it too, but I would, uh, yeah. but not in the same way. Goofy is torn. He sits down. He's trying to decide whether to look at the map. He sees that his son is lying to him. He comes to the junction point the next morning. Do you go to Idaho? Do you go to California? Max says, go to California. He stops the car. They have a big fight and they end up falling into a raging river. I like the bit in The Junction where Goofy plays chicken with the dividing line and is driving down the middle of the highway and is going to crash yeah. into the, the into the Jersey barrier if Max does not tell him where to go as a test of, like, will you lie to me? Because I know you're going to. Um, It, it would be that scene where the car, they drive straight through and the car splits in half. Oh, from Freaky Friday? <laughs> they fall into a river. And they continue yelling at each other. Yeah, they still fight throughout that whole scene. That was the, well, that was the one note I made of that. And I was like, this is dark. Max, like, there's a good chance that the last thing you're ever going to say to your father is just screaming these insults at him. They should all intents and purposes be dead. Yeah. Like, they're falling. They're falling off a cliff and he's just screaming how much he hates him. And we've already established that death is in this universe because of the mime. Oh, and also they have the death penalty where they live. Yeah, so they they are cognizant of death in this universe. So the fact that they are continuing to fight is kind of impressive, honestly. But then they eventually stop fighting. You do get the poignant line, like we pointed out before, where Max yells at his father, I have my own life, and Goofy yells back, I know that, I just wanted to be part of it. And then they sing another song. It's one of the three bad songs. One of the lines from this song, I did like... The line where Goofy says, your moodiness is now and then bewildering. I was like, oh, that's a legitimately funny line. Just reminded me of being a teenager and just being moody for like literally no reason. I actually also wrote down a line. It wasn't that line, but there is one line in this song that I really like. Goofy says, who deserves a hero's trophy as we face each (laughs) catastrophe. Yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> because I always like just massacring a word in order to fit it into a rhyme scheme. <laughs> and so mispronouncing yeah, yeah. catastrophe as catastrophe in order to make it rhyme with hero's trophy is charming to me. I will give them points for that. But it's goofy, so you're like, maybe he does say it wrong every time and no one's corrected him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get, we get the... The most stereotypical uh, Disney movie or any musical ever. All of their problems are solved in song form. By the end of this song, they are best buds for life from that point on. Well, because at this point, they're going to die they've accepted they're going to die <laughs> no they're floating on the, they don't they don't see the waterfall at this point they're just like well we're we're i guess this is our life now to be <laughs> <laughs> forever on the roof of this car floating down this river we're just river people now <laughs> yeah they're going over the waterfall and i i do have to point something out here the water is very strangely animated yes it is i saw that too it's like it's not ink It looks like it's done with pencil crayon. And I don't mean that as a pejorative, although it does look kind of weird. But, like, I think it's an artistic choice. Like, it's not inked. It's, like, pencil crayoned, and everything else is inked. And it looks bizarre. And uh, it's it's clearly only a few cells repeated over and over again. Um, Yeah. This was one of the, uh, I don't want to say, lesser animation studios. I think it probably was. It probably was. Yeah. Yeah. Like... They should have got the, the the pull out bell shot. Maybe they gave look. <laughs> they look maybe the maybe they gave studio. not that. It's that they gave them the same turnaround time for the shots, and they, they and they were just like, I guess we just have to draw a diner, uh, and that was it, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> they, <laughs> then they gave that, in that the entire, entire waterfall water water. sequence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the diner guys had like a month just to draw the yeah. diner, and they're like, oh, let's make it really fancy. And the other guys are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. wait, what do you send you guys this entire <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that climax yeah and then they're just like i guess we'll get to the water at some point point. <laughs> and it was like the day of and the guy just drew three waves and penciled them in <laughs> in pencil crayon they didn't yeah. even, they, they're out of time to do it ink they're like uh oh, just put yeah. it just put in the, the sketch we'll use the sketch Oh, it was a storyboard. Yeah, like, that was... It was not done, animation. They did... I know... I don't know if you're going to get into it, but I did read that they did hit a production delay on this film due to some capturing issues they were having as well. Capturing? Uh, they noticed that one of the capture monitors they were using to capture the animation had a dead pixel in it, and they were like, oh, fuck, we have to recapture all of that. So they had to redo the whole movie a second time? Yeah, they had to take all the pictures over again. Yeah. We never talked about it earlier, but it's a callback to the uh the... the- the perfect cast fishing line the perfect perfect yeah. cast um teaches them this perfect cast it turns out that max saves goofy uh by doing the perfect cast so goofy actually taught max something and they actually got to go fishing uh together even though yeah. it wasn't at it's good narrative structure Lake Destiny. Yeah. and then and then and then we get the climax of the film well that was the climax we get a very long denouement yeah that's the yeah. thing. The rest okay. of the film is just the party after the climax. Yeah. Okay. The climax is the waterfall. This is just the end of Shrek where they sing I'm a believer. Okay. Except the credits haven't started yet. And and, and we don't have to listen to Smash Mouth, so 10 out of 10 in comparison. Instead, we get another <laughs> sweet power line song. Yeah. This movie was 82 minutes, I think. Uh It was an hour and 22 minutes. It should have been an hour and 23 minutes. There should have been one shot... Where we see Max and Goofy get into those instrument cases, because it cuts from them literally parachuting down a waterfall to them inside instrument cases. I I disagree, just because I love that. I love that you're like, oh yeah, Max is on the bass drum, and Goofy's body is so distorted that he can fit himself like a like Dracula's coffin inside that acoustic guitar case. Oh, I loved it. I loved it, but there should have been a shot of them arriving in Los Angeles. <laughs> that even that, like just them pulling up in their busted ass car to the outside of the concert, anything. Cuz it it cuts from them parachuting down a waterfall to them inside backstage at the concert. Honestly, cut the chaff. I I think <laughs> they made the right choice, you know, get on with it. You 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 hit the climax. You don't need anything else. All we want now is to dance because we've ended the film. The the character arcs are over. Yeah. So now we're just going to have a long power line sequence to just celebrate. And boy, is that the right choice. Anything to talk about in the Powerline concert, other than it's awesome? I wanted to point out what a true professional Powerline is. That not only does Goofy <laughs> yes. ruin the climax of his concert and blow up the prop. Climax? This is the first song, isn't it? You imagine that, like, the electric ball was going to do more in the show than blow up in the first song. Oh, I gotcha. He wrecked the climax. Yeah, yeah, okay. Max kills a stagehand during the concert. And Powerline just rolls yep. with it. He does not miss a beat. He learns the dance. He keeps singing. He brings them into the fold. And I was just like, no wonder Powerline is at the top of his game. He is the professional's professional. Yeah. Like, he he deserves to be the number one rock star in the world. Like, he sees Goofy do the perfect cast once, and he's like, yeah, I can recreate that perfectly. And does. It's it, it's basically like the film Amadeus. <laughs> All right. Um, um, I guess the only other thing I'll point out is that um, he does such a good show that at one point, uh, a woman teleports onto stage to start singing. Yeah. That's a pretty impressive uh, effect, I got to say. if You're going to teleport this person onto stage for one line. For the first time, boom! (laughs) For the first time! (laughs) Uh, and then we're cutting back to shots of all the kids watching the Powerland concert, and Roxanne sees Max and Goofy dancing on stage because somehow that worked out. My favorite shot from the party was a uh, before Max shows up on stage, Stacy Blossom puts her arm on Roxanne says, "Don't worry, he'll be there," and like pulls a like Whoa, look as she looks away from Roxanne as like I'm lying to my best friend. He's clearly not going to be there. Who would ever believe this stupid lie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, and then. Uh, PJ sees it on their big screen TV in the RV and uh, Pete does a spit take because goofy and Max actually bonded they like each other and they are doing something that's awesome opposed to Pete just forcing PJ to clean constantly clean the <laughs> RV <laughs> He's constantly cleaning the RV constantly cleaning the RV <laughs> it's huge it's got like three different wings plus all the exterior things so it's got it's got <laughs> it takes a while to clean that thing. It's, it somehow has more than four sides. It's non-Euclidean geometry, so it takes a long time to clean. Yeah, to get in those non-Euclidean cracks. <laughs> okay, you got five. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it in just at the end, Rob. You almost didn't make it. And then the movie ends with Goofy going back to Roxanne's house and is telling Max that he has to do the right thing and tell her that, like, you lied to that girl. Like, you have to go tell her you lied. Roxanne uh, sort of forgives him um they're gonna go out on another date max introduces roxanne to his father goofy uh and we pan out to the end of the film except we get to hear the Powerline song again because they're like we know what you want and yeah, we yeah, do yeah. because yeah. as you said these songs are like actually awesome even though you just heard it, we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> just for fun i paid attention during the french credits of the movie and i didn't realize that in french uh goofy is credited as dingo really is that goofy's french name uh, according to the, the credits at the end of the disney plus film yeah a dingo movie okay yeah. he was originally dippy dog so yeah in, in france he's dingo dog i guess so yeah huh. interesting that's the end of the film what did we think about it bobby it was your choice what do you think about this film? It was my number two on the on the ranking list. Wow. <gasps> okay. Wow. I was kind of hesitant going into it. It wasn't even the nostalgia factor. It was remembering how much fun I had in the theater with my mom. And like at the time, I think we saw this. At, oh man, that's awesome. At, at the, my mom actually was a portrait photographer at a Kmart growing up for a while, so it had that added. Note to it, I remember my mom enjoying that scene. But like I said, it was. I remember the notes of this film and didn't remember the story and was actually surprised at how much heart this film had and how the movie at the core of it is actually this really complicated relationship between a father and son that's handled very well. Um And yeah. it got me nostalgic. Like I said, the reports of the movie where I was like, oh man, like, sure, my dad was a bumbling talking dog, but I still miss him. And like, was surprised it hit me at the emotional level that it did, so... Yeah, it's, uh, right underneath Return to Oz. Nice, man. All right. Rob, how about you? Uh, not quite as high on this film, uh, as Bobby is. Um, I, I, I forgot to do my rating last night when I watched the film. Uh, but, you know, talking through it is, it is a pretty good movie. I, I would honestly kind of, to me, it falls in the area of it's a movie. Uh, so that's like right in the middle. It's a better movie than the bad ones we've seen. So it's gonna be in the, uh, Right in the middle, but just one up. So it is above Avatar. It is number 13. So it's the Country Bears, a Goofy movie. Well, considering this movie took a hard run at Country Bears. Yeah, I can see why I it upset this you. this movie yep. failed. <laughs> All right. Uh, fair enough. I think I'm between you two guys. So... I loved this movie as a kid. I saw it a bunch of times on video. It was on constant repeat, repeat along with Aladdin and all of those kind of classics from the Disney Renaissance for me. Um, I tried to approach this as objectively as possible to not be sucked into a, a D2 scenario. We don't want that to happen again. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I want D2 to happen all of the time. I, I thought I was going to put this just above Blackbeard's ghost which would be 11. But you know what? And you've said this before, Rob. I've had so much fun chatting about this with you guys. I'm going to put it up a bit higher. I'm going to put it just below Willow. Nice. So that's above Freaky Friday 2003. So that's number 10. Okay. Nice. Number 10 on my list. I'm – maybe I'm a little harder on than you guys, but happy we reviewed a goofy book, I probably would have been, <laughs> been a bit higher. So. <laughs> Or as it's known in France, Le Livre du Dingo. <laughs> 1995. Was originally supposed to come out in 1994, but that damn pixel. First film in 1995 released by Disney, House Guest, starring Sinbad and Phil Hartman. So Sinbad and Phil Hartman were like a comic duo in the 90s because they did this. Wait, what? Or they did House Guest and then Jingle All the Way. But they're not in the same scenes together in Jingle All the Way. <laughs> They not inter- they don't interact with each other. <laughs> well, you know, William Shatner never interacts with Khan. That's fair. People just wanted to see those two on the same same movie, the same screen. Again. <laughs> there was too much chemistry between Bill <laughs> Hartman and Cisco that they had to put an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> between the two of us. You call Cisco Song? Cisco's Song song guy. <laughs> my apologies it's still pretty early for me uh what's it's his name you haven't had it in- <laughs> what's his name i can't picture sinbad. it right sinbad 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 the man the legendary journey all right that, that was a good one i'll give you that one <laughs> there's a lot of hollywood pictures releases in 1995 that i do not recognize this is another one of those what is this year uh bad company with Lawrence fishburne not The Bad Company, starring yeah. Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins, and not The Bad Company that that movie's a remake of. Just a-, a third Bad Company movie. Yeah. I think they're all on Disney Plus. I don't know. Um, A movie called Miami Rhapsody, starring Sarah Jeff- Jessica Par- Parker. A movie called Miami Rhapsody, starring Sarah Jessica Partner. Damn it! And he'll cut that part out. <laughs> uh, the Jerky Boys, the movie. Oh, wow. Heavyweights. Written and directed by Back Stephen Camp. Grill, who wrote D1 and D2. Um, it's the Fat Camp movie with, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Costanza's son. Jason Alexander? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben Stiller. Oh, man. I was having a, a moment there where I thought it was Ben Stiller, but I was just thinking, I was thinking it was Dodgeball. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. There was some sort of weird, it's weird kind of the same character, there. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Man of the House, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas Cheppy Chase movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about that. A one. movie called Roommates, starring Peter Falk. Uh, Tall Tales, the Paul Bunyan movie. Um, a movie called Jefferson in Paris. I don't even know who's in that one. Uh, a movie called Funny Bones, which starred Oliver Platt. Okay. I'm learning this just as you're learning this. Yeah. Uh, While You Were Sleeping, starring uh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <Okay>. Perfect. <laughs> uh, a Pyromaniac's love story starring William Baldwin. Ooh. uh, Tony Scott's *Crimson Tide*. So, Hollywood Pictures released a bunch of nonsense that I assume they spent forty-five cents on, and then you see Tony Scott's *Crimson Tide*, a yeah. big budget action thriller, submarine movie, right? Is that submarine with, um, movie? Yeah, with uh, Sean Connery. He plays a Russian. No, that's *The Hunt for Red October*. But that's *Hunt for Red October*. Yes, yes, yes sorry. No. sorry, sorry. *Crimson Tide* is with um. Wesley Snipes? No, it's Wesley. I don't think so. It's with um, Royal Tenenbaum. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman is in. Final there Contact, we go. Yeah. What the movie the hell was I thinking of with Wesley Snipes? No, it's because you're. It's Denzel Washington, and you're doing that thing white people do. Oh God. All right, I'm keeping that in. Damn it. <laughs> Viggo Mortensen and James Gandolfini are also in that movie. Wow. Okay. I actually have never seen it. We should watch that one. Uh, Mad Love, a Drew Barrymore, Chris O'Donnell film. Never heard of it Dangerous Minds I actually did see that film I think I saw it the same year I saw a Goofy movie and so it was one of those movies that my parents rented and then they kept telling me to turn around at points okay I got Crimson Tide the Hunt for Red October and Rising Sun Confused because it's a movie starring Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes <laughs> that has a very similar poster okay okay, okay. well now <laughs> I'm keeping all that in Dangerous Minds that's uh, Gangster's Paradise yeah, yeah. I, I found the soundtrack to that in a car at the scrapyard, and I listened to it. Pocahontas, Disney's big swing that year. Judge Dredd, another Hollywood Pictures film. Oh, that movie's fucking awful. I love that movie. It's terrible. Operation Dumbo Drop. I loved that when that came out, actually. Doesn't it have, like, uh, uh, Ray Liotta and um, I'm Too Old for This shit? Uh, yeah, Mur- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Danny Glover. And then there's a third one. Isn't it, like, a Busey? Gary Busey? <laughs> I think so. Let's see. One of the Buseys? Yeah. One of the Busey Boys. Oh, Dennis Leary. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's he's, he's an honorary Busey boy. Yeah. Honorary Busey boy. <laughs> a Kid in King Arthur's Court. <laughs> I've seen a that. A movie called Unstrung Heroes with Andy McDowell. Never heard of that. A, a movie called The Tie That Binds, which is a Daryl Hannah thriller. Don't know what that is. Uh, the Big Green, which is – the Mighty Ducks with soccer, I think. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Dead Presidents. A movie called The Scarlet Letter with Demi Moore and Gary Oldman. Is that a remake of The Scarlet Letter from like the 50s? Yes, I yeah, think so. Yeah, well, it's based on the book. So yes, it's it's uh, just a, uh, an adaptation of The Scarlet Letter. Uh, The film Powder. Less said about that, oh. the better. Not because it's bad. Yeah. Although it yeah, is. Exactly. But because it is made by a child pornographer. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Less said about that film, the better. Toy Story. Father of the Bride Part 2. Tom and Huck, the second of the <laughs> Tom Sawyer films that Walt Disney produced. And they did Tall Tale, too, at the same time. Like, this was same the Same time. Yeah. I think they all bombed. Yeah. None of these hit. Uh, Nixon, Oliver Stone's Nixon, and Mr. Holland's Opus. That was 1995 for the Walt Disney Company. Mr. Holland's Opus was very successful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, if uh, I remember correctly. Was it? I Maybe. I think I saw it in theaters. See, now I have to look it up because you're saying that. That's uh, Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Holy fuck. Box office 106 million? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. You're blowing my mind, man. This is three men and a baby situation here. Yes. (laughs) It was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor. Wow, Mr. Holland's opus. I, uh, I, I, I know I saw this when it came out, like, in theaters for some reason. Um, oh. Richard Dreyfuss is a conductor, and he apparently is called Mr. Holland. Were you, like, eight? Did You yeah. went to this movie when you were eight? I think my parents must have took me. They must have wanted to go see it, and they were just like, we don't have a babysitter. It's a Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah. It's your coming-of-age story right there, and then I became yeah. a man. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else to say? We're gonna wrap up this episode. Not as much of a divide as I thought it would be. I was interested to see where you guys were gonna rank it, if this was gonna be a, like, reverse... <laughs> Mop A Christmas Carol (laughs) Or Reverse D2 I think it's definitely held back by some of those terrible songs I hate the non-Powerline songs Yes, that's what it is Uh, Bob, I always get you to bring us out with uh, Tune in next week to the podcast War Tennis Shoes, I'm going to try and get Rob to do it this time Rob, I want you to say tune in next week To the podcast War Tennis Shoes But I want you to do it by inserting as many syllables as possible (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) I I thought You were going to get Rob to do it because on the episode where Rob wasn't there, your impression of Rob was just you doing an impression of Goofy (laughs) saying you were Rob. It it honestly occurred to me and I was going to do that until we did this episode and then the Pauly Shore thing came up, so I, I changed my mind. Yeah, like, tune in next week to the pop up. Yeah, you know what you're doing. I'm not going to do it. Although maybe you should, because was doing you were doing pretty good there. Yeah, Bobby's... Look, I'm Robbie, try it. I want, you, I want you to try it. Robbie, try it, and then we'll get Bob to do it. All right. Okay, good. And then you can cut this all out when it's terrible. You could also just say it normally using your normal voice, and we'll just say it's a goofy impression. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this session right now. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <sighs> Let me just mute my microphone for a second and try one without you guys listening. Okay, listeners, uh, we're watching him. We're staring at yeah. him. He still hasn't started talking. No, oh, he's laughing because he knows he can hear us, but we can't hear him. <laughs> he, he still hasn't yeah. tried. <laughs> Nobody. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Okay, he's he's starting to insert syllables. I can tell just by looking that this is going to be bad. No, I I don't got it in me this morning, boys. Just just say it. Just say it. Don't think about it. Tune. You didn't even insert a syllable. <laughs> it's like, how do you... you just, what would you, you do? just said it slower. Bobby, just do one. Just do one you, word. You just said it slower. <laughs> okay, Bobby, do it. To tune in next, a week to the podcast, wore tennis shoes. Ha <laughs> ha, buddy. That was amazing. It <laughs> was great. Bobby, amazing. <laughs> and Robbie couldn't even do no, tune. No, I couldn't. I told you. <laughs> I told you. That's the show. If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at thepodcastwartennisshoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks. The show is worse than the beep song